Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Liberland Show. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell, and today we have a, it's been a while, we have a repeat guest back on the show, my friend Louis O'Connor, who uh, when we first interviewed him on the show, he was actually coming to us from uh, Panama, which we're going to definitely talk about Panama here today, but now he's back in his, his homeland for the time being partially uh, I think mainly inspired by this uh, business venture that he's on right now too which we're gonna learn about here today but he's coming to us from Ireland uh, Louis it's great to have you back on the show great catching up with you before the before we press record here too um, how are you doing and, and what are you looking forward to covering in today's conversation great stuff Adam uh, yeah look a pleasure to see you again uh, as well and uh, as you rightly said yeah last time I was in Panama right now I'm in Tipperary in Ireland uh, I'm still a resident of Panama. Um, I think, as you know, we discussed before about planting the five flags or the six flags. And, you know, so I have uh, residency in one country, citizenship in another, uh, trying to do business in another one and banking in another. So, yeah, I did come back to set up a business and I'm looking forward to, to telling you all about it. Once it's set up, then I'll be back and forth between Panama uh, and some tra travel to North America and Europe. Love it. Love it. And um, I guess, yeah, for, for a little bit more context and color here, too, for our Lieberlanders who maybe um, aren't familiar with you or haven't listened to that episode, which I'm sure are plenty of them out there, kind of kind of tell us your your freedom story, your freedom adventure, and then also how you got connected with with Lieberland originally. Yes. OK, so, um, you know, I think it goes back to when I was very young. I mean, I was born in the Republic of Ireland. Um, at the time we were, um, and still today, we have sort of two governments, two countries, two borders within one country. I was born in the South, uh, the Republic of Ireland, an Irish citizen, yet only 50 miles away, we had the North of Ireland, which was uh, part of the UK. Um, and as sort of nationalists, um, we didn't, um, we didn't recognize the government up North, you know? So from an early age, I had the idea that uh, borders and governments are a temporary sort of a thing, you know, and they can be shifted and changed. And, and later on, I spent a bit of time living uh, uh, in Germany and I was very close to the French border. And I learned that area that Alsace-Lorraine in the last hundred years had gone from being France to being Germany to back to France. And so, um, you know, so, and, you know, in addition to that, I knew I wanted to travel and, um, I eventually ended up in Panama after living, growing up in Ireland, living in continental Europe, traveling around the world a little bit. Um, and what I found was Panama, and I think this is how sort of there's a, an alignment with Liberland and Panama as well, is that I found Panama was this, the, the, the only country I'd found so far that where the state had really little or no interference with its citizens. And it was sort of, you know, I, I began to live there in the 90s, sort of long before uh, Liberland came into fruition. But I would say it's very much aligned with the philosophies and the principles of Liberland. Now, I don't think it's exactly done on purpose. I just think, you know, the government there maybe hasn't got it, gotten around to, <laughs> to, to some, some stuff they'd like to. But yeah, it's a very, very free country. Um, no, or, you know, zero taxation on worldwide income. And as I said, the state does not 
interfere with, with, with the citizens, you know, they let you do pretty much as long as you're not hurting someone else, they let you do pretty much what you want. And um, yeah, I guess since you've been there for a little while too, I, I know you mentioned you, well, actually, when, when will you be heading back to Panama? Um, I would have been back by now, but because of, you know, lockdowns and, and, and stuff like that, um, I have residency there. And one of the, in fact, I had discussed this with, with President Vita at one time. One of the great things about, I'd recommend this to anybody, uh, is get a Panama residency. And I'll tell you why, because it's not where Colombia, for example, or Nicaragua or, or Dubai even. If you get a residency in most countries, like as a second residency, if you will, you usually have to spend a certain amount of time there, usually maybe 90 days, sometimes even six months. So that can be a bit of a hindrance for people who are sort of nomadic and, you know, want to be on the move all the time. Whereas with Panama, when you have a residency, you literally, if you want to, you only have to pop your head in there once every two years. So if you only drop in once every two years, you still maintain your residency, your tax status, which means all your income is tax free. All your income outside of Panama is tax free. So, um, you know, that's, that's, I think that's probably one of the best advantages of Panama is you can have a tax residency and not have to be there, be wherever you want to be, be in Panama, if you like, you know. Um, so that's what's very attractive about it to me. I'm sure the weather there was probably pretty different than uh, Ireland and Europe for what the you were The weather and the women, of course, you know, before I got married, <laughs> You know, uh, ah, look, Trump, look, Latin America is a wonderful, wonderful place from Mexico all the way down. Um, I think I liked it because the Latinos, I think, are a little bit like Irish people. Um, they like to have fun. They like to have a laugh. They like to roast each other a bit. They like to have a drink. They like to dance. No, except us Irish can't dance. They can dance. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're fun loving. They're lovely people. Look, I, I, uh, I love Latin America, actually. You know, I really do. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you picked up uh, a little Spanish along the way as well. Si, senor. Yo, <laughs> si. Yeah, my wife is Mexican, and that's where the Mexican passport comes in, came in. Uh, my two daughters are born in Panama, and they speak Spanish, even though we're here in Tipperary, and they speak Spanish, so uh, I can keep it up as well, you know. Fantastic. So, yeah, Lieberlanders, keep that in mind, and... Um, I guess, you know, one more Panama question here, too, before we get into uh, strategic metals invest is what has because I think it's starting to get the cat started to get out of the bag in regards to what you're talking about, which is, hey, as a as a uh, backdoor to the U.S. or North America, if things get a little bit too crazy up here, Panama is a great option. And I feel like, um, you know, people are starting to catch on to that. So um, are there any changes that you've seen? Is it not as easy to maybe go through the process that you did? And I guess just what would be the, the path of least resistance if somebody did want to create that new opportunity for themselves? Sure, sure. Good question. Yeah. Um, there's, there is some talk of changes, but I think it's just talk. There, there's been talk for the last sort of five or 10 years um, about um, the easiest path to residency and citizenship is what's called the Friendly Nations visa. And there's about 40 countries now on that list. All the countries in the EU, uh, Canada, the US, Australia, pretty much, I suppose, all the countries where you'd like people to come from, you know, so sort of the developed, civilized, wealthy part of the world, you know, which, which probably encompasses most of, 
of, of, of, of Lieberland as well, you know. Now there's another way to get residency, but this one is the easiest one because Panama needs the people to come in. I mean, they don't have, um, it's a bit of a long story right now, but they're trying to catch up with the modern world. Panama itself is only, you know, 100 years old. It originally was a, was a province of Colombia. Then it gained independence. And as it gained independence, the, the American administration came in, built a Panama Canal Zone, which basically was America in the middle of Panama for 100 years. Wow. Now, in the last 20 years, for the very first time, they're really operating independently since they, uh, they, 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 they took complete control of the canal. But there was a bit of a gap there. It sort of reminds me a little bit of how when the wall came down in Berlin, you had like a 40 year difference between East Germany and West Germany and everything, education, uh, technical skills. Panama is a little bit like that as well. It's a little bit sort of behind the modern world. So it's trying to catch up. So it introduced this friendly nations visa, um, you know, as I said, to attract people from Europe, from all over the world, basically. Now, that, that visa, that residency, it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to invest in property or you don't have to put a certain amount in a bank account. The cost of it is literally the legal fees, which is less than $5,000. Um, you know, it's stamp duty and, and attorney fees and some legal fees that go to the government. So for less than $5,000, if you're from one of these 40 countries with a clean police record, um, you can get residency. Um, and once you've got you've got it, then, as I said, you can go about your business and travel the world and just just to maintain it. You only have to pop in. You only have to be in the country one day out of every two years, which wow. is fantastic, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's awesome. I, I, I have known great things about Panama, but I always forget until I get a chance to talk to someone like you. So I'm going to be making note of that again. And yeah. uh, for, for any of our, I know we're going to get your contact information here um, at the end, but for anyone who's got to maybe hop off and, and miss uh, the rest of the interview for now, I'm sure you go back and listen to it, but what is the best way to, to get in touch with you and maybe ask some questions about Panama? Sure. Well, my, my email probably is the easiest. It's, it's Louis O'Connor, L-O-U-I-S-O-C-O-N-N-O-O-R at P-M dot M-E. Got it. Louis O'Connor at pm.me. Yes. Like private message me. So at pm.me. <laughs> Louis O'Connor at pm.me. All right. There we go. So if you're with us here live, it's in the comments. And now to really uh, just continue to dig deep, as you can, as you can see in here, uh, Panama is a pretty desirable place to be living, hanging out, etc. Getting married in Louis's case. <laughs> um, but something called him back recently to Europe, which sounds like a, basically a business opportunity one can't refuse. And I know, Louis, you told me a little bit about uh, Strategic Metal Invest before our call today, but um, kind of tell us the storyline of what's brought you back to Ireland and what is sure. this, uh, this new venture? Okay. Um, well, you know, it's sort of, you asked me earlier, Adam, about, you know, how I sort of actually have met. President Veet and came into contact with Lieberland. And, and it's in a similar vein of that, in that I always tried to have my, my ears and eyes open for new, I'm going to use the word alternative, but um, stuff, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, 
on the on the inside of, of, of things, maybe maybe just right on the edge, you know, um, and stuff that would be connected to um, offshore uh, independence, you know, second passports, citizenship, planting flags around the place where you're sort of um, you're, you're not sort of under any one jurisdiction in any way, you know, and um, that's that's how I heard about Liberland. I went to the Anarchapulco um, with Jeff uh, up in Acapulco back in 2016 and 2017. And I heard about these guys from Liberland and I met them and, and I loved it, you know. And um, the new the new business that I, I came back to Europe to set it up, but um, I will go back to Panama once it's properly up and running. And, and basically what it is, it's about asset protection, I suppose. And it's an asset class uh, as the name implies, strategic metals invest. It's the same paradigm, if you will, of gold and silver, which is people buy gold and silver physically owning it, and they have it maybe in Singapore or in Australia or in Delaware or in Switzerland, wherever that might be. It's offshore um, and it's in another jurisdiction. It's the exact same paradigm as that, except what you're what you're purchasing and owning are what we call strategic metals. They're also known as um, um, technology metals. But what their, re their real name is actually rare earth elements or, or rare earth metals. And we, uh, particularly at the moment, um, it's very timely because they're critically needed in, in all of this new greener sustainable energy that we're, you know, make no mistake, what, we're, what the world is going to do or trying to do over the next, say, 10, 15, 20 years is a massive feat to convert our energy, you know, to move away from sort of 80% of, of, of what, you know, 80% of global emissions uh, comes from how we power our daily lives. And we're about to, to switch that completely. And those metals are critically needed in solar power, electric mobility, wind power. And these are the metals we offer as an investment. So there's a, your partner in it. I've partnered with a, a metals trader in Frankfurt. They're over 30 years in the business. And primarily what they do is they buy and sell these metals. But they have a side business, which is, allows investors to buy the metals, store them in Frankfurt in a bunker, in a vault, bank level security, everything like that. And then, you know, watch them go up in value and, and, and also... The same German company provides the exit, so they will they will liquidate them for you as well. So it, the best way to, to look at it in a very simple way is just exactly the same as buying gold or silver, except you're buying rare earths and the exit is guaranteed. Awesome. So um, I guess what does its appreciation projections look like compared to gold and silver? Because um, I'm sure it it sounds like there's, there probably would be naturally a little bit more uh, risk than gold or silver, but also the payoff or whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah. probably a yeah. lot greater as well. Well, excellent. Excellent. You nailed exactly, you know, what people tend to their first thought about it is one is they think it's high risk. It's actually not. I'll explain to you why it's not in a minute. Um, and as far as performance go, they consistently outperform gold and silver. Now I'll tell you, this is why I got so excited about it, why I you know, moved back from the sunshine for a year or two to get this going. The biggest obstacle to investors making money from these rare earths, it's not that they're 
high risk, they're not, they're low. It's not that they don't go up in value, they do. It's the fact that people do not know you can do this and you can do it safely and securely. Now, the reason they don't know is the German company have been doing it for 10 years, but they've never, they've never done any marketing outside Germany, Austria, or Switzerland. Any marketing they've did has been in German. So literally nobody outside of that area knows about it. Now, why it's, it's, it's not a high risk is this company that you're buying them from, Tradium, for example, primarily what they do is they buy and sell metals. To give you one idea, just one of their clients, on a daily basis, they're, they're buying and selling metals. Just one of their clients is Siemens. Now, Siemens is the largest industrial manufacturer in Europe. It's, it's, a, it's a, a global conglomerate. It's been in business, they're, you know, over 150 years old. Right. They place an order every month from this metals trader, and that's just one of their clients. So if you can picture this, you buy the metals from this trader, you store them, you pay for your storage, which you normally do. And when you're ready to liquidate, your partner, Tradium in Frankfurt, will liquidate, guaranteed to liquidate them for you in three to four working days. Guaranteed. Wow. So that's now, the, the, the whole, now you're hitting on another word that I think we didn't hit on yet either. Is, is there's a, there is a guarantee involved because I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the whole lot about. Honestly, sure. precious metals or jewelry or even fine art, but I, I haven't ever heard of a situation where you're basically guaranteed to get your capital return. You're guaranteed that they will liquidate them for you. Yeah. Now, again, you've you've nailed it, Adam, because if that wasn't in place, this would be, I wouldn't even call it high risk. There'd be no point in doing it. Because these metals are only needed in industry. There's no point in me sitting at home here, say, with you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of gallium. I'll never be able to, to sell it to anybody, you know. Right. Uh, Valium is used in solar panels or in, in you know, there's 13 rare earths. So the key thing to this whole transaction is that you're dealing with a bona fide, you know, and people will have to do their due diligence. And, you know, I can send people a, a full legal imprint of, of, the, of the companies involved. But, um, yeah, without that exit in place, it, you know, it'd be, it'd be not only high risk, it'd be pointless. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, hmm. what um, what's the minimum investment amount? Minimum investment is is ten thousand um, dollars. The average um, is about people are investing between about fifty thousand and a hundred thousand. I just mentioned to you as well. Not out of all of these metals, like the seventeen rare earths, not all of them are rare. So we only specialize in the ten that are. They're actually all on a and list are listed as critical by the, both the EU and the US as critical to a nation's economy and security. Um, just to give you an idea, like I, in the last five years, on average, they've gone up about, on average, you know, some have gone up 80%, some have gone up 8%, but on average, they're up about 20% a year. You'd, you'd ask me a little bit about returns. Sure, yeah, well, yeah. Historically speaking, you're looking at about a 20% return per year. Now, this year, they've gone up a little bit more, but that's simply because of the disruption to the supply chain. And another one thing I'd add, Adam, is, and most people might be aware of this, is China has a near monopoly in rare earths. They produce and supply more than 85% of the world's rare earths. So wow. at the moment... You know, when you've got trade tensions and you've disruption to the supply chain, 
China is completely in charge. They're the they're the dominant market leader in rare earths. And one of the um, the minister for security and defense in China recently said, and he was at a rare earths mine. He said, well, he said, you know, he was asked, would China ever use rare earths in trade tensions, you know, with Europe, Japan, the US, whatever. And he said, well, he said, you know, the Middle East has oil, China has rare earths, was his reply. Wow. That's um, a pivotal statement <laughs> right there. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Um, and most people aren't aware. I mean, I know I was not aware of anything we've just covered <laughs> until we started covering it. So, yeah. And, and as I said to you, simply because other than, you know, Germany, no, no, literally nobody for the very, it's only since September the 15th of this year, a few months ago, when the first marketing, if you will, you might see on LinkedIn and Facebook. Other than that, there, there was no, literally people didn't know you could do it, you know? Yeah. It makes me think, um, got a couple other people I want to introduce you to now as well. Do you have to be an accredited investor to invest with them? If you're no, in the US? no, 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 no. In fact, Again, another reason I like it is all that's needed is name and address. That's all that's needed, you know. I, to me, that sounds good because it's like it puts an emphasis on privacy. But I could see someone who um, has invested before being thinking that that's not enough for them to feel safe. So is there other information that they can provide if I guess if they want to? Yeah, well, um, because you're because you're buying from a a bona fide metals trader, um, you know they're in business over thirty years. You will receive like a certificate of ownership for the metals, and the key thing there is that Tradium, for example, they have a an ISO nine thousand and one quality assurance certificate, consistently held since like two thousand and three. So. Um, you know they have they're you know they're 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 the largest metals trader in Germany, um, and for example, you know you get the purity levels and the analysis reports, you get everything like industry standard. So okay. let's say for example you did buy you know gallium, when you want to liquidate it, it's important that whoever wants to buy it knows it's industry standard. It's just like gold and stuff; they have pure different purity levels. So the fact that you're dealing with this metals trader who's, who's a bona fide metals trader and has certificates to prove it, um, BMW or Siemens or Apple or the US Department of Defense, who's ever buying this metals will have no hesitation buying them from Tradium because of their reputation and their standing in the business, you know. And you as a customer of them, you know, you, you know, you're you just, you know, you just just like you like you were buying gold or silver, no more than. Uh, name, address, passport, you know, everything like that. What are, um, so with the, with the rare earth, uh, is it called rare earth metals or what is it? Rare earth? Rare earth, rare earth elements is elements. the technical term. Yeah. Elements of the, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, rare earth elements. What are some common um, pieces of technology that we see on a daily basis that we don't even realize uh, are coming from these elements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. One, like I'll give you a little good story here. Neodymium, for example, is like a superpower among these metals, right? They're known for their magnetic qualities. And neodymium is the superpower because neodymium can lift, can hold 
1,300 times its weight independently. Um, you know, in, in the new, the, the one, one World Trade that replaced the World Trade Center, neodymium was used in the elevators for that, you know. Now, where else uh, neodymium is critical is neodymium is critical and irreplaceable in electric, um, in electric mobility. So for electric car batteries, mm. that's why it's, again, why I got so excited about it. I mean, like, just to give you an idea, every car manufacturer in the world is going electric, right? And there's only a limited amount of this neodymium being produced every year. Just in the last month alone, Adam, BMW announced that they're, they're looking to source 30 billion euros of raw materials for electric vehicles. Um, Ford Motor Company in the US announced they're gonna build a, a mega campus, which is of factories basically, just to build electric vehicles. They're investing $11.4 billion in building these campuses. Um, and these are the metals that are critically needed there. The reason BMW are sourcing so much is because they, they're stockpiling. I was gonna say, they're also in Germany, right? So they've got the advantage with <laughs> this yeah. company, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, most China at the moment, you know, what you're going to see over the next sort of 10, 15 years is the US and Europe and other developed nations will will wean their independence off China. You know, they'll but but for example, there's one, let me tell you, there's one rare earth mining facility mine in America. And even though they, they mine there, they still have to send the rare earths to China to be refined. China has all the the technology they're they're just they're a generation ahead of the rest of the world and how they got this far ahead is a bit of a, a mystery but that's the truth so you have corporations now and countries stockpiling because they know there's likely to be sort of a bottleneck in production and if china ever decides to say you know reduce the quotas which they did with japan a few years ago and the prices went up then you're looking at a real sort of a serious situation you know you the statement you used earlier which is basically rare earth elements are the oil to china or this oil is to the middle east rare rare earth yeah. elements are that to china so that says a lot i think a lot of people including myself until now weren't even really thinking about this and um it sounds like the demand for the elements is only going to increase if you just look at the writing on the wall so um yeah i guess if if anyone is interested in learning more this is definitely as you mentioned quite compelling and maybe worth moving from panama to to ireland for a year for <laughs> um we've got well you know in the comments we've got your your email there as well so just going to go back to that one guys if you guys are interested in reaching out to louis and kind of digging a little bit deeper you can reach him there louis o'connor at pm.me and if you're by chance on audio only uh yeah louis it's l-o-u-i-s-o-c-o-n-n-o-r at pm dot me and I'm trying to think of a of a of a slam dunk home run goal touchdown question for you here louis to close this one out Ooh. um where in so say over the next five years um what's your vision for this 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 venture this this effort what would you like to see um, not only happen for, for you and your business, but, you know, maybe just say clients, I don't know, maybe now I'm kind of making it a longer question than it needs to be, but you know, what is your vision for the, for the company for the next five years? What would you like to see happen? 
Good question. Good question. Well, um, you know, there's, I think there's $11.4 trillion in, in gold. That's the market cap for gold, right? Um, th that's not possible in rare earths. Um, and one of the reasons for that is, is one, Tradium, we're the only, now some other companies I think might follow suit and copy us in the future. And that's where it could get a little bit, you know, difficult, you know, because again, the, the key factor is you, you, if, you're, if, you, if your partner is not a bona fide metals trader who can sell these back to industry, there's no point in doing this, you know. So um, we can only allow, it can only grow to a certain amount simply because like, if you come back to me tomorrow, Adam, and you wanted to invest, you know, say, you know, $10 million. Well, before Tradium agreed to accept your offer, let's say you want to put $1 million in each one of these 10 metals. The, remember, they're doing business for 30 years and they know how much they're selling every month. So they will never make a sale to an investor unless they know they can liquidate that sale. So we have a sort of a cap on what we can do, um, which is sort of... Um, well, actually, at the moment, I'm really starting from zero. So all I'd like us to see, what I'd like us to do is, is, is go from, you know, we, we've only just begun this year. We've already got some clients, but we've lots of room for more, you know. In a way, I'd like to sort of keep it a secret <laughs> because I know someone else is going to copy. But then again, you're not going to do any business if you're keeping it secret, you know. But I just hope, you know, um, you know, again, it's a key part of this is the metals trader, you know, you must have somebody who can liquidate and, and that's who my partner is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And as I mentioned, I've got, um, I'm writing down some names here for people. I'm going to introduce you to, uh, to continue this, uh, Louis O'Connor podcast tour that hopefully we've sparked you off on. <laughs> I would, Adam, I would love to do that. And I will buy you Six pints of Guinness okay. every introduction you make. You had me at Guinness. Uh, my wife is <laughs> around me. I love a pint of Guinness. And some people like to, um, I've never understood the people that, that don't like Guinness. I'll just leave it at that. I love, love yeah, me. Well, let, me let, let me leave something with you on Guinness too is, and this is absolutely true because I've been all over the world and I've drank it all over the world. <laughs> the closer you are to the Guinness brewery in Dublin, the better the Guinness is. Oh, so wow. You have to come to Dublin and sit in either the old stand or Davy Burns uh, or the Parnell Lounge and drink it there. It's unbelievable. If you like it in Newfie. Well, or, Newfoundland's not know, too far from me, right? We got a lot of close. Irish people here, too. Yeah, you're close. But you have to come. Unfortunately, I'm going to add a stipulation to that. Um, <laughs> end of I put you on, Adam, which is you have to drink those said Guinness in Ireland. But maybe we can include your flight over. Yeah, well, hey, you know, the Lieberland anniversary is coming up in April. Could uh, encourage some European travel for myself. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly shocked that I haven't been to Ireland yet with all the time that I've spent here in Newfoundland, where everywhere I turn, I meet someone that sounds kind of like you with the accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uncanny, isn't it? That accent there in, in Newfoundland. Yeah, it's... it is. It is. It, it, yeah. kind of, it, throw, it throws people in North America kind of off a little bit because they're not, they, they assume if they don't know Newfoundland that whoever they're speaking with must be from Ireland. So like, oh, no, they're actually from Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've heard the accent. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. So um, Louis, thank you again a million times for coming back here on the show, not only sharing your 
journey of freedom, your Liberland journey and story, but also this new um, really exciting business opportunity to be, to be completely honest. We hope that some Liberlanders reach out to you and um, yeah, just thank you again for, for blessing us with your presence. And I'm sure we'll, we'll see you again in the future. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, we have spent our time here today with Louis O'Connor, who I forgot to mention is also, I believe, are you still the representative to Panama for Liberland? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Still. At the, yeah. And we'll continue to be. I, I, you asked me earlier, I'm, I'm hoping in the new year um, to be back and, and I'll be spending at least half the year then in Panama. I hope. I, I hope. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah. So there you go. The, the, the Liberland rep representative to Panama, also uh, founder of Strategic Metals Invest. Go ahead and reach out to him again one more time. His email is louisoconnor at pm.me there in the comments. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening and investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. Thank you for tuning in and we will catch you in the next episode.